Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 45. This week is National Infant Immunization Week, which is an observance to highlight the importance of protecting infants from vaccine-preventable diseases and to celebrate the achievements of immunization programs. Two new studies confirm that weight control is often the result of genetics, not just willpower. Do eggs raise your cholesterol? The advice keeps changing. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks, right? Vicki, how are you? The weather here was pretty nice. <laughs> it really was. Not bad at all. Don't you I think? saw a robin. Ah, that's I good saw news, right? a robin. That is very good news. That is good yep. news. Yep. I saw a nasty, fat groundhog. It, I know. So they coming out, scurrying around. You know what's coming out? Do you all have black ants in your house? No. Oh, they started they coming started out. They started coming out. Oh, you got to do some serious stuff. And you know, stuff. I put some boric acid around my sink. Mm-hmm. They walk right up in it. Oh. These are some hood <laughs> ants. <laughs> That's so politically incorrect. My house is hood too, but they walk right up in all my boric acid. Oh. And so I had some spray, but you know, you don't like spraying all those pesticides in, in your house. Yeah. But I'm going to have to have the exterminator come. Yes. Everybody says that they come out, you know, the weather now is changing. It was, mm-hmm. It's raining a lot and stuff. So, and a big fat groundhog. I saw big, a possum cross the road the other night. Those really? are nasty looking organ, or, uh, organisms. Those are nasty looking things too. Mm. Eek. So things are coming well, out know, in the spring, right? I guess because we live in such wooded area, all big time. These yeah, we find coming out, right? Yeah, and we saw the beautiful, deer. beautiful family of deer. Yeah, they, they always they come. all run in packs. Yes. right? They must, we must have the because they run in our yard, then they run across the street. Yes. And, yeah, they run in packs. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them too. And they were just hopping around. The only bad thing about them though is that they eat up tulip bulbs. I now, know. Your, one of your neighbors has beautiful daffodils, I, I and know. I don't know how she keeps her flowers growing every year. I don't know, but they're going to come in a minute. Uh, they And she's right up the street from you all. She's got beautiful flowers, mm-hmm. but they, the deer eat up all the they flowers. They eat up that stuff. Yeah. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new, hot topics, number 45. 
Now, this week will start the national, and I thought this was so great because of you, Dr. D, but this is National Infant Immunization yes. Week. It starts April the 27th. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. So Through on May time. 4th. So on time. Isn't that something? This is based on the continuous outbreak of measles that we're having. I thought that it was important for us to talk about this, and it's very appropriate and something that we need to be aware of. So it's the NIIW. So the National Infant Immunization Week is an annual observance to highlight the importance of protecting infants from vaccine preventable diseases. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> And to celebrate the achievements of immunization programs and their partners in promoting healthy communities. In 2019, this will be their 25th anniversary. (laughs) Since 1994, hundreds of communities across the United States have joined to celebrate the critical role vaccination plays in protecting our children, communities, and public health. And so, yes, it's set for April the 27th through May 4th, and it will be celebrated as part of the World Immunization Week. And this is an initiative of the World Health Organization. Hmm. So let's look at some of the milestones that this organization has reached several important milestones in controlling vaccine preventable diseases among infants worldwide and have already been reached. Number one, vaccines have drastically reduced infant death and disability caused by preventable diseases in the United States. Through immunization, we can now protect infants and children (laughs) from 14 vaccine preventable diseases before age two. And then routine childhood immunization among children born between the years of 1994 to 2018 will prevent an estimated, look at this, 419 million illnesses, (laughs) 26.8 million hospitalizations, and 936,000 early deaths over the course of their lifetime. And that is a net savings of $406 billion in direct costs and $1.9 trillion in total societal costs. They did a survey and the National Immunization Survey has consistently shown that childhood immunization rates for vaccines routinely recommended for children remain at or near record level so even though we some trying the people trying to all these anti-vaccines and all these groups and things looks like the the immunization uh wave is succeeding exactly if you look at this yes information we do think that these diseases are in the past but we're finding out we're finding out that they still do exist these diseases and children in the United States can and do still get these diseases and so that's why it's important we always talk about it here mm-hmm. on this podcast do. what do we say d vaccinate your damn kids exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's very simple right very simple yeah and to find out more of how you can participate spread the word and all that go to www.cdc.gov forward slash 
vaccine. And as you know, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today on our Yes, topic, that's why topics. I thought it was important yeah, because, yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the measles, well, yeah. they're not going yeah. away, Mm-mm. you know. Mm-mm. So, yes, I thought it was very mm-hmm. timely that mm-hmm. we talk about it. Well, make sure all of you guys, make sure you go to our resources page, www.vickidofitness.com forward slash resources and check out our list of tools and services that you can use to make easy and accessible ways to make your healthy living journey attainable. Make sure you check out, we always talk about Sun Basket. It's an organic meal delivery services where you can have your healthy meals and recipes delivered to your door already prepped and prepared and ready for you to cook and eat. And they have healthy cuisines, healthy recipes, lean, clean, you know, all of those type of recipes and diets that you can choose from. And then we just we just decided to add Reebok to our list of resources. And they have all kinds of wonderful fitness apparel, the shoes, the sports items at your fingertips. They can come. You just order all that stuff right at your door so that you can have the latest well-designed exercise clothing for comfort and ease. I love my Reebok stuff. I know. And they, you know, they were made especially with women in mind mm-hmm. as well. I love my Reebok stuff. I've always. And they've made, you know, they've been around for a while, but they have reinvented themselves. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Polar monitors. These are great monitors because they're accurate fitness monitors and trackers that are simple and easy to wear. And you'll be able to monitor your heart rate and exercise intensity. And so, yes, we have that for you to check out. We have quite a few. We can go on and on. We got quite a few tools and products and services on our resources page right at your fingertips for you to check out. And remember that when you buy and use our affiliate links, you are supporting us here at Vicky Doe Fitness. And as always, right, Dee? We want to thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. This is exciting because... Yeah, you had the 300 Sisters in Red. I saw the pictures on Facebook. Yes, that event is still going on strong. This is, you know, because you are a link yes. and it's the 14th year. Wow, that, that's, is that right? Yes. Isn't that something? Oh, my goodness. I was around in the links when you guys were, yes. when we were forming it. 2005. It was just forming, mm-hmm. right? And I was, yeah, I was a part of that. But wow. 14 years later... So that's definitely a signature. That's our signature project. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's going. And we've on won strong. some national prizes from that program through the Links Incorporated. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so all the ladies were there. Oh, nice. They had the, the people the wear ex- the red. The people yes. wear red. Oh. Yes, they had their exercise going on. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I was one of the keynote speaker, and then they had. Another young lady, Jessica, was Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. She was talking about nutrition. And then both of us were asked questions by the audience Mm -hmm. at the end. And so it went very well. The participation was very well attended. Mm -hmm. And I I know they had breakout sessions, but Mm -hmm. I didn't didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. all the different breakout sessions that were um, there. But they had the vendors and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it was really nice. That's good. Kudos. Kudos to Link Ruth Quarles. There you go. Every year. And and, and Mercy Health. Mercy yeah, Health, big, big time. Big, you know, sponsors, sponsors for the event. For yes. The event. Yes, yes, absolutely. It was really nice. Oh, and, that's good. And then we helped out. We always help out the Hope Community Services. Uh-huh. They do their Healthy Heart Eats, Healthy Eats for the Valley. 
And so we are there because we do their nutrition and their cooking demos. So we did that both Friday and Wednesday Mm -hmm. evening. Had some good recipes. You know, mom be helping me. We be putting our, we be. Put your foot in them. We be putting our (laughs) foot in it. But it was healthy eating. And this time we showcased and talked about the TLC diet and program. That's Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes Program. Mm -hmm. And that claim to fame is how do you eat and what do you do Mm -hmm. to lower your blood cholesterol? So, yeah, it was very nice. We enjoyed. And I love because all the, the ladies, we have a few men there. We uh-huh. just, they, they just love, we just love eating. We had the pan Did Mr. Delma Stubbs come? Oh, yes. I knew it. Yes. I knew it. Yes. I had, knew it. We had the pan-seared yeah. cilantro salmon uh-huh. over a bed of stir-fried. Yeah. What was it? Peppers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to use the colorful peppers. Uh-huh. And so the thing is that everything we cook, we don't add salt we add those herbs and seasonings yes yes yes, yes. so the yeah. new lady that's moved into my house mrs dash uh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> so that went well we were i always bring mom up because mm-hmm. she is our she looked great i saw the picture on Did facebook you? she looked fabulous i'll tell her that she, she loved that fabulous. you know she thinks she all grown and <laughs> and not. she you looked think. fabulous she, she did you just tell she... her from me skin was all glowing and i will tell her that <laughs> definitely look fab Most so we were cooking and usually when we prep and do that because isaac he was our fitness well this coordinator uh-huh. and usually he'll be in there chopping and chopping and helping uh-huh. us but we were in there chopping and chopping and doing the <laughs> meal prep and we were like oh where is that damn Isaac <laughs> <laughs> oh. but, but it was really nice and we had Mary Opidoc a young registered dietitian uh-huh. She came in and helped us as well to present the program. She got her her um, degree and all that from Youngstown State University. Oh, yes, in nutrition. Good. And she's a registered dietitian as well. So we um, had a great program, good. a lot of good eats. And we, we love that. We love doing that. And I put a lot of the recipes on the website and on the Facebook. So you guys check it out. Go yeah. to the Vicky Doe Fitness mm-hmm. Facebook. Better yet, get on our mailing list. Mm-hmm. Go to our website, www.vickydofitness.com, and where it says be in the know, you know, make sure you with the latest scoop, sign up and subscribe for our newsletter. You want to do that because you're on our email list and we keep you up on all of the the latest recipes that we're doing so that you can always know when we're doing something and then still get healthy tips and so forth and so on and so forth and so on and so forth and so on (laughs) that's it all right that's a that's a vicky doe fitness ebonics it is so forth forth and and so so on So tell us about your week. So I went to North Carolina in the interim Mm -hmm. and uh, to see Mary, my daughter, and my mother and my granddaughter, Olivia. But while I was down there, it was great to see them. But while I was down there, it happened to be the same weekend 
as the ending of the River Run Film Festival. So this film festival that occurs in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, I think it's been going on for, I don't know, maybe 10 so years. And okay. it, was, it was founded by the family of River Phoenix, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's family, yes. that whole group. Yes, okay. I don't know why they picked that area, but oh, wow. um, so for a whole week they have films. And I had really never been to a film festival. So Mary picked out a film for us to see on Saturday. And it was about a woman who was having infertility problems and so forth. And it was, you know, and it was in this small theater. And I love the theater because they served wine and popcorn. Okay, yeah. And then after we watched the movie, the director and actress, mm-hmm. actors, and producer all came to the front of the auditorium oh, and wow. answered questions. Oh, that's great. It was fabulous. And I so I said, next year to Mary, I'm going to come down early so I can go to more of the of films. The th- yeah. yeah, because, you know, Cleveland has a film festival. Yeah, they do. Which I've never been to. I like and, how they do um, it with their dance because they always send me a lot of the – the dance shows oh, that, and yeah. these are these are like kind of new artists or okay. artists that's in the dance companies that mm-hmm. kind of you know come around, uh-huh. and I like those because mm-hmm. you're right after they present they talk about their their dance company or their exactly and then you know people ask about their piece and so forth and it's more intimate i think it is i love it i mean there was a small you know small theater and stuff like that so that was really really Mm. fun and then i went to palm sunday church with my mom which was really good you know to get back to my roots yes you got to get back (laughs) to your roots roots. and um so yeah so the weather was great so i'm going back down there this weekend Okay. To visit, yeah, and just basically just working, seeing your honey sweet all the time. We're yes. both in the trenches Y'all now. Y'all in the trenches, seriously in the trenches. Oh my god, <laughs> he's been in the trenches Ooh, for a while. Yeah, I'm getting back into the trenches. So oh yeah, we our, our paths cross every now and then. Yeah. That's good. But guess yeah. what? You guys are the best. When you walk in the room, and I always tell Nate, because he, you know, because I know he comes home tired. I say, yeah, but when you guys walk in the room. They can best better believe that y'all gonna have y'all best foot forward, true. and they gonna get That's the best. That's true, Vicky. Patient care, cause That's y'all true. definitely care about that's why y'all busy that's true no question they about care that. about you we guys do. care about mm-hmm. the patients you yeah. know no the question. whole being that's it mm-hmm. that's it no, so no kudos question. to y'all thank you thank now i know you. y'all got a lot of non-compliant <laughs> folks sitting up in we're there. struggling the struggle is real the struggle is real but it's the we thought be, that we be trying we be <laughs> we be trying we be trying exactly there you go there you go so what is going on this week everything vicky yeah now you know the big thing was about notre dame and the the cathedral with the fire Mm -hmm. but what was so significant and my mom and i were talking about it they were talking about over 800 can you imagine something being around over 800 years those trees that made that the roof were cut down 800 years ago. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I can't even imagine. 800 years ago is like the Crusaders or something like that. Well, Weird. I told mom, as DOS, descendants of slaves, we can just think of it in that kind of... Exactly. Um, what? That kind of window of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? So slavery was in the mix, Mm-hmm. And then that was being built. Isn't that crazy how you think like that? 800 um, years. 800 years ago. I mean, that somebody 800 years ago touched the top of that 
cathedral thing and was putting those logs, those trees up and stuff. Isn't that crazy? And it was just very sad because the history, the Mm -hmm. history is just so, you know, it took, I forget how many over, I don't know, decades and decades to to build that, um, Mm -hmm. that place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I haven't been there in several years, but it's just every time you go, it's just always, you know, it's a quick story. Mary and my mother went to Europe, went, went to Paris one summer. They were tooling around in Notre Dame, whatever, whatever. And it was the same summer that I sent my son Matthew over. He was doing a, he was a runner in high school. Okay. And he was touring Europe with a track club. Okay. And they happened to be in Paris at the same time. So, you know, they were going to, there was no cell phones or anything, but they were going to try to see if they could hook up. So they're in Notre Dame looking around. And then all of a sudden, Mary says she sees this head (laughs) that looked like a familiar head. And it was Matthew. Oh, my God. And here they were both at the same time in Notre Dame. Nobody knew that they were there. So my friends that live in Paris, you know, are talking about how sad it is and Mm -hmm. stuff. But, you know, the French are very resilient. And they've already, what, raised, I don't know how many, hundreds hundreds of millions of dollars, which has become kind of controversial. It is. People are like, well, how come people... People didn't donate to those Louisiana churches. I know, down, I know. You know, but they started but, doing um, that. They did, and it. I think it, I think it set off a wave that people yeah, no, noticed now. So that. people started to <clears throat> give, you know, big benefactors here in the United uh-huh. States started giving money to those churches yes. and stuff. So, so they've raised quite a bit too. They so, really have. Yeah, so, so it's a good thing. I mean, it's thing. not all bad that they. So it just kind of got maybe people's idea. Well, if we can give to France and that's another country, we can certainly give to our own United States people money. And that's the only time that I say we need to take care of ourselves first exactly you know because everybody got that slogan and it kind of be like "Mm." right but that's the only time (laughs) I agree with that yeah do do us. We got to do us, we right? Do us. And keep and us. And those churches burned down, and the, you know those people were very are very resilient down in Louisiana too. But you know it takes money to rebuild. It takes money for anything, right? For anything. Yeah. So yeah, anything. but I'm I'm liking this article that you. What's this article about? Yeah. So you know, with all that going on, I thought this was unique because it, it's talking about <laughs> how these bees, these honeybees, they survive the fire. Wow. So it says all 180,000 honeybees living mm. on top of the Notre Dame Cathedral have survived the fire. Mm. Isn't that something? Amazing. So it says, after historians breathe a sign of relief over the preservation of the many artifacts, because that was a big thing too. Remember they had to go in there and try to get the, yep. uh, the a crown of, of thorns. Right? Yeah. The artifacts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Inside of the um, Notre Dame Cathedral, bee enthusiasts are now rejoicing over the miraculous survival of the building's 180,000 pollinators. And here's the thing, though, because it's a lot of folks getting together and talking about the bees here in the United States because they were saying that it seems like a whole colony, some of them. Are dying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? They're running into a real big problem with bees. Cause that, uh-huh. And that's bad because bees cross-pollinate. Right. They pollinate. Mm-hmm. That's a bad thing. That's not a good thing. Right. And so here it says, for the last six years, there have been a trio of beehives nestled on top of the cathedral's roof. The hives were just a few honeybee colonies that were installed across the city as a means of boosting dwindling pollinator populations in Europe. The hives have been managed by the Notre Dame beekeeper Nicholas 
Gant since 2013. So when the Parisian cathedral caught fire last week, he anxiously awaited news of their condition. It took a team of 400 firefighters almost nine hours to finally extinguish the blaze. It was scary. I thought the whole thing was going to be like World Trade Center. Didn't you think so? Mm-hmm. I did. And then wasn't it interesting how the people were gathering around and uh-huh. they were singing a lot mm-hmm. of the um, spiritual, uh-huh. and the, well, not spiritual, but the their French the, songs, the, 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 hymns, the hymns, yeah, and, yeah, mm-hmm. and melodies of the, yeah. And then after it finished burning down, you could see a cross. There was a cross in wasn't the back. It? Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. So very. Well, you're Catholic, yeah. And that, that's your that's your church, one of your mother churches. That's it. So mm-hmm. they were very very anxious to see and make sure that the three highs will make it through the the fire. And they so they finally checked up on the honeybees, and they were elated to hear that all were alive and mm-hmm. well. So instead of killing them, the CO2 from the smoke, it makes them drunk. Mm. So it puts them to sleep. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. And so they were saying that the bees are particularly lucky because the hives reside only 100 feet under where the roof was burning. If their hives had been heated just 63 degrees Mm. Celsius more, that means 145.4 Fahrenheit degrees, the hives wax would have melted and the bees would have perished. Isn't Mm. that something? That's a miracle. I would call that a miracle. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. I thought that was something worth amazing. Mm-hmm. to talk about definitely mm-hmm. but yeah they got that fire under control mm-hmm. and i guess they're you know trying to figure out how they're gonna start rebuilding it yeah they said they macron said he wants to try to have it open within five years you know that's a long time though for people to that's one of the main stays of going there is to go that's to a, a tourist attraction and so they're gonna lose money yeah you know Somebody's going to be up there all night. <laughs> They're going to have some big beams out there of light. Big time. Somebody's going to be tap, tap, tapping away. <laughs> uh-uh. France cannot go five years without opening up Notre big Dame. Big time. Can you imagine? It's going to be but round look the how long. Look how long it took. Remember the big Ben yeah. clock? Mm-hmm. When we In were London. there, it was yeah. the scaffolding. Right. Scaffolding was around it, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People don't realize these, these things Take are- a long time. Because you're dealing with delicate, you know, a lot of the artisans that were involved in that building, they're long since dead, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. You and know, they, they definitely don't make things how they used to. No, that's, that's the other thing. They don't know. They, or the machines to make things like right. they used to. Right. You're right. You know, those mm. machines, you know, they don't have the same kind of machines to Mm-mm. design those kind of things like they used we to. We got paper mache. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> they, unless they're going to find some 3D printers to right, print right, out. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you somebody's going to be up there 24-7. Macron's going to be doing something. Tap, tap. Tap, tap. Tap, right. tap. <laughs> I'm telling you, five years? No, uh uh-uh. That's funny. No, mm mm-mm, 24-7. That's it. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm -mm. No, no, Oh, wow. Well, we always give a health tip in our health tip, you know, because people are bringing out their bikes and stuff and trying to bike out in the elements because it's becoming warmer, and so. Wear your helmets. Definitely, and I still be seeing people not wearing that. Crazy. 
crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I still see that. Wear your helmet. Definitely. You're not going to be stronger than a car. No, no. And so, yeah, so I biking tip, biking safely. You can find these tip on Vicky Doe Fitness written by Health Day News. And it says, biking is a great way to stay in shape, save gas and reduce pollution. But the estimated 80 million cyclists sharing the road with vehicles often face a host of hazards. And this is said by National Safety Council. So to stay safe, the NSC recommends, number one, become familiar with traffic laws. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, duh. But one thing thing I like about Amsterdam when we were there, they had the little traffic lights Mm -hmm. right beside the, Mm -hmm. for the bikers. Exactly. Wasn't that great? Yes. Yes. Exactly. But yeah, become familiar with the traffic laws. Uh, Definitely. (laughs) And then you ride single file in the direction of traffic. Mm -hmm. Number three, use hand signals when turning. Number four, never hitch onto cars. Stupid kids do. Yes. Number five, wear your bright clothing and then equip your bike with reflectors. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, and they didn't add this on here, what we say, wear your helmet. Wear your doggone helmet. Yes. I don't get it. For safety. I just don't get it. I know. I don't get it. So what's the latest D? Well, I have some sad news about Ebola. Uh-oh. Um, a very prominent physician who had spent a lot of time in the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, because I've been telling you over the weeks how they've been having trouble with, you know, rebels and stuff coming in. Well, he was from Cameroon, mm. uh, a doctor who had spent a lot of time there, and he just came back, and he had said to some people that he would felt a little bit of afraid. He had three. He goes, I'm going to have to be careful because I want to get back to my family. I think he was from Cameroon and stuff. Mm-hmm. They killed him the other day. <gasps> the rebels uh, broke into one of the clinics and stole some equipment and then shot the people that were in there and he happened to be one of them so you know it's it's kind of like they got to get their head wrapped around this because number one somebody's got to stop the violence but number two they got to stop this so that disease doesn't spread and so the rebels were coming in saying that these people were using ebola as an excuse to steal money from the people and this that and the other just making up all this stuff Mm. so they got a problem Ooh. They got a problem, yeah, and it was just so sad. I mean, he mm. just had devoted his, you know, several years since the outbreak to come in there and taking care of people and had his own family and just said, you know, I really want to get back to my family. Dead. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, that is sad. Yeah, wow. So that's really sad. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really sad. Mm, mm, mm. So, you know, you got other stuff. What, what other yeah, stuff some you other have sad for? news. So the CDC announces, reports this week, that mm-hmm. there were 71 more measles cases in the United States, and 68 of them were in New York, according to the CDC. There have now been 626 total cases so far this year, and the article points out that there were 667 cases in all of 2014 and 963 in 1994. The Wall Street Journal reports that health officials expect this year's total to surpass that of 2014, which would make 2019 the worst year since 2000 when the disease stopped continuous circulation and was declared eliminated. 
All right. Wow. The article notes that the largest outbreak so far has centered in New York City's ultra-Orthodox Jewish community and that New York City has ordered people living in certain neighborhoods to be vaccinated or pay a $1,000 fine. ABC News reports on its website that 194 of these years' cases have been in New York's Rockland County, and according to local health officials, 80% of those infected in the county never receive an MMR vaccine. So I just want to make a comment about that. You know, they're Mm -hmm. talking about, and this is becoming a public health crisis. Mm -hmm. It is a public health crisis. And they're talking about imposing a fine on somebody who's not being vaccinated. So as an an epidemiologist and infectious disease specialist, that doesn't work for other diseases where they can put you in jail if you don't get treated. For example, tuberculosis. If you have TB and you refuse to get treated, the sheriff can come to your house. Now, I haven't looked these laws up in the last maybe two, three years, mm-hmm. but there's public health you know, laws that say that this person can be locked up until they're treated, force mm. treated. If you have syphilis or gonorrhea, mm. now it doesn't extend to HIV, but if you have syphilis and gonorrhea, public health department comes around, you get, you know, incarcerated possibly. If you don't get, you can't just say, I'm going to go out and infect a whole bunch of people with uh, syphilis or gonorrhea or tuberculosis because it's so infectious. So my point about that is don't just make it a a thousand dollar fine. I think there should be some other major accountability Mm -hmm. because you're putting a lot of other people at risk risk and in jeopardy. And one other quick thing that I I read with this with respect to measles, Mm -hmm. for those of us that are over this age, well, we don't look it, but anyway, (laughs) people over 65 probably are not going to get measles, physician says. Okay. Forbes contributor Robin Jeffries writes that even with the United States edging toward a record number of measles cases in a single year since the disease was declared eliminated in 2000. But do you understand what I'm saying? We got rid of this in 2000. I know. That's bad. One physician says seniors likely have little to worry about. The physician, Dr. Kumar Derajan, MD, MBA, said most older adults need not be too concerned for themselves. He said, if you're over 65, you probably aren't going to get measles. Jefferson notes that the that HHS has a site dedicated, Human Health and Health mm-hmm. and Human Services, dedicated to answering common questions about vaccines for adults 65 and older. Jefferson adds that the CDC today reported, like I said, 626. And that's probably because those of us in a certain age group, we have uh, immunity because we all had it. Okay. We all, you know, and pr- well, but you know, mm-hmm. with him having said that, however, I would still challenge him to say that people, this is what Dr. Doe and I were talking about the other day. We had a mutual patient that we were getting ready to put on a drug mm-hmm. that could declare them to be profoundly immunocompromised. Well, when you're talking about putting people on drugs to make them immunocompromised, it makes you wonder about some of their immunities with respect to other diseases. So, you know, I just think everybody just needs to be vigilant with respect to that. But more importantly, vaccinate your doggone kids. I know. It's crazy. And it seems like the more we talk, the more getting hold of this anti-vaxxer movement, it's not just the United States, but there oh, was a case all, all in Europe and all yes. over. And people getting on planes yes. and getting in, people infected on planes because mm-hmm. there's no recycling of air out. It's just recycling of the air inside the plane. Mm-hmm. 
and measles is very contagious. Mm-hmm. So you better wear a mask next week. Like a lot of the people I see from China and Japan coming to this country, they all have masks on. Well, I You're told like, you. They know something I don't know. Well, I told you when we looked at the stuff, you know, what shots and what this and mm-hmm. whatever they had to get ready to mm-hmm. go for our trip, it had a big alert thing for yeah. folks to be worried about measles yeah. if you got kids yes. make sure that you vaccinate your it's kids and this yeah it's, it's no longer it's no longer one or two so it's they no don't want anecdotal. us to come with no. our stuff into their bringing stuff. bringing your diseases over there that's it like the spanish brought diseases yeah. columbus and all those people brought diseases to the indians and, and, and wiped them out and wiped them out mm-hmm. i'm just saying i know i'm just saying What's the other one? You had something else for us. One of my really dear friends, Dr. George Counts, who hopefully this year will get a big award from the Infectious Disease Society, worked okay. for many, many years on trying to get a malaria vaccine. And this article, world's first malaria vaccine to go to 360,000 African children. So some 360,000 children a year in three African countries will receive the world's first malaria vaccine as part of a large-scale project, said World Health mm. Organization. Malawi... Mm-hmm. has started and many of you if you don't know Malawi you know Malawi because Madonna adopted one of her kids from Malawi mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Malawi has started vaccinating children under two years of age and Kenya and Ghana will begin using the vaccine in the coming weeks with health health ministries in these countries deciding where it will be used mm-hmm. the vaccine offers partial protection from the disease with clinical trials finding that the vaccine prevented approximately four in ten malaria cases we have seen tremendous gains from bed nets and other measures to control malaria in the last 15 years, but progress has stalled and even reversed in some areas. We need new solutions to get the malaria response back on track, and this vaccine offers that. The malaria vaccine has the potential to save tens of thousands of children. Mm. And for everybody out there in radio land and podcast land, mm-hmm. malaria is a parasitic disease transmitted by the bite of a female Anopheles mosquito. It is okay. both preventable and treatable, yet an estimated 435,000 people die every year, and children under five are the, at the greatest risk. It claims the life of one child every, I think I probably see a malaria, at least when I was doing acute care medicine, or maybe a malaria case in this country once a year, but in other places, you know, where they come in, you probably, probably see, see more. Uh-huh. So um, most Most of these deaths are in Africa, where more than 250,000 children die. And the vaccine, which is known as Musqueerix, RTSS, was created by scientists at the British pharmaceutical giant, which was formerly GlaxoSmithKline, it's now just GSK. It has undergone numerous years of testing and was supported by organizations. So from 2000 to 2015, there was a 62% reduction in malaria deaths and a 41% reduction in the number of cases, said WHO. However, more recent data suggests that malaria is making a comeback with 219 million cases in 2017 and 217 million cases in 2016. It's a difficult disease to deal with. The tools we have are modestly effective, but drugs and insecticides wear out. They talk about the vaccine will be given in four doses, three doses between five and nine months of age, and the fourth dose around the second birthday. And the vaccine is a complementary control tool. They still recommend using, you know, insecticides and bed nets and so forth. Very important to bear in mind that 40% protection in the most endemic part of the world, Africa, is better than no protection at all. Ultimately, this is the only vaccine that has some efficacy that we currently have and has taken decades to develop. And this in itself is great news. Yes. 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 Them damn mosquitoes. I know, <laughs> right? 
like those doggone ants that are walking through boric acid at my house. I looked at those doggone things, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Really? Okay. <laughs> walk through that. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to walk through my boric acid? That's something. <laughs> now walk through that. Okay. All right. Buried under all that foam. They probably been taking the, <laughs> the, the antibiotics. That's in what the- I'm saying. <laughs> In the water. They knew, they knew I was coming out with some work, so they got all the anecdotes. I was like, doggone, ants? Well, today we talk about research articles <laughs> and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 45. I wanted to switch up, do a little switcheroo. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about the let's talk about the egg one. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we talk about the egg one first, because on the show previous, we were reading yes. yeah, that one study that came sure out did. that yep. people were getting all fanatic about. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so this is I thought when when I saw this, I was like, okay, yeah, this is good because that was one of the main questions that was asked when we were doing our heart healthy diet oh really yeah oh wow they were asking they came out and said well do you think we i'm okay with eating i think she ate like one hard boiled uh-huh. egg a day and most especially since this diet is talking about high blood mm-hmm. cholesterol mm-hmm. and i said oh oh you're gonna get us in trouble here because i talked about every all those heart healthy diets they have how many that's recommended for the TLC diet? You can't do more than two whole egg with the egg yolk uh-huh. per week. So it's two eggs per week. But they tell people, which I like about this diet, it said, look, but you got to pay attention to all the processed foods mm-hmm. that had the baked goods and all that stuff that had the, all these eggs and stuff in it. You're See, right. most people don't think about that. I, I forgot about that. You're absolutely right. Right. And yeah. so, you know, I talked about that. We were saying how, but if you do the egg whites, and, and that's why this article is so great, you can do that, but still, mm, unless you have high blood cholesterol problems because some people you know they do have high Mm -hmm. blood cholesterol Mm -hmm. still you know have your egg just in moderation pay attention to that Mm -hmm. you know and then definitely ask your physician but this is so um, great because a lot of physicians are saying look go ahead and and have that egg but you know just pay attention to your risk factors Mm -hmm. you know because if you're doing eggs all the time, but smoking too, uh, e- right, <laughs> right. Mm, so that's what, work. right. So that's why I love this article because it says, should we be eating eggs? And it's written in the New York Times. Do eggs raise your cholesterol? And the advice keeps changing. Yeah, this is big this time. This is timely. Yes, yeah, big mm-hmm. time. And then for us as exercise physiologists, mm-hmm. we love eggs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because of what it does for your your muscles mm-hmm. and all that. Okay, so once more, Humpty Dumpty took a great fall mm-hmm, mm-hmm. last month when a new study linked egg consumption to cardiovascular disease. What follows may or may not put Humpty back together again, especially for egg lovers mm-hmm. who cheered the latest dietary guidelines that seem to exonerate this popular 
cholesterol-rich food. While suggesting that Americans eat as little dietary cholesterol as possible, the guidelines scientific report in 2015 stated that cholesterol is not a nutrient of concern for overconsumption. Then a report in JAMA of a very thorough long-term analysis involving nearly 30,000 men and women initially free of cardiovascular disease suggested otherwise. The researchers headed by Victor W. I'll say Zhuang. I'll say, right, Zhang. Zhang mm-hmm. of Northwestern University, Fingberg School of Medicine found that eating as little as one half an egg a day could increase a person's risk of heart disease, stroke, and premature death. We reviewed that article, didn't Yes, we, we did. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Dr. Zhuang said that my study showed a dose-response relationship. He's a nutrition epidemiologist. The higher the consumption of eggs, the greater the risk. Those who consume less than one egg a week had no increased risk. Among the study participants, Every 300 milligrams of cholesterol added to the daily diet increased the risk of cardiovascular disease by 17% and premature death from any cause by 18% during an average follow-up of 17.5 years. And this is what the study found. Given that the yolk of one large egg contains up to 200 milligrams of cholesterol and dietary cholesterol can raise blood levels of the artery damaging LDL cholesterol in some people, in some people, it is not the first time eggs have been pilloried as a hazard to the heart. For decades, we've been advised to limit eggs and keep daily cholesterol intake at or below 300 milligrams. But before, this is the part I love, before you give up eggs entirely or switch to egg whites, it's worth considering, this is important, the study's limitations and how the findings fit into current American eating patterns and previous studies of the relationship of eggs and cholesterol to health. The study was based on an analysis of 29,000 plus community dwelling adults without known heart disease who reported at the start what they ate along with a slew of health-related lifestyle habits like, here's the deal, smoking and alcohol consumption and health variables like weight, blood pressure, and blood lipids. In the nearly two decades that follow, 5,400 people had a cardiovascular event, which was um, a heart attack, a stroke, and 6,132 died from any cause. Seeking to clarify how consuming cholesterol influenced the risk of cardiovascular disease and death, Dr. Jong and co-authors zeroed in on the egg consumption, the cleanest dietary measure of how much cholesterol participants ate. The team concluded that as little as half an egg a day or about three large eggs a week increase a person's chances of developing cardiovascular disease by 6% and of dying from any cause by 8% during the study period. This was not an intervention study. So it is not possible to say what might have happened if people refrain from eating eggs and substitute it with other foods. And here's the key thing. And this was said by Dr. Frank Q. He's the chairman of nutrition and epidemiology at 
the Harvard T.L. Chang School of Public Health. The replacement food is critical. If, for example, you replace eggs with low-fat yogurt with fruit and nuts or whole grains, it would likely improve your health. But if people eat two or three fried eggs along with the bacon or sausage and buttered white toast, see, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't expect a healthy outcome. He also said that intervention studies have shown that moderate egg consumption doesn't appreciably raise the cholesterol levels, okay? Low to moderate consumption of three or four eggs a week doesn't appear to have a major effect on blood glucose unless the person has high cholesterol or type 2 diabetes. He also added in most previous studies of healthy people, moderate egg consumption was not associated with a significant increase of cardiovascular risk. However, among 21,000 plus participants in the physician's health study, who were followed for more than 20 years, those who ate one or more eggs a day were more likely to develop heart failure than those who ate eggs infrequently. Contradictory findings among different studies, and this is very important, are not unusual. It's part of the scientific process. In forming guidelines, you have to look at the totality of evidence rather than overact to a single new study. There you go. Bam. Mm -hmm. Bam. Zachary Clayton, author of a comprehensive review of research on egg consumption and heart health published in Nutrition in 2017, said in an interview that giving two eggs a day for 12 weeks to healthy people didn't raise any of their cardiovascular risk factors and actually decrease their triglyceride levels. Bam. But here's the key thing. He said, Dr. Clayton, he said, it's important to distinguish between hyporesponders and hyperresponders to dietary cholesterol. Mm. If someone is hyperresponder, mm-hmm. eating two eggs a day mm-hmm. would increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. And that's important. Mm-hmm. And so that's why for all of you guys that are asked out there about eggs, the first thing you always say is consult with your physician. Right. But at the same time. And know your numbers. Know your numbers. Make sure if you're new, if you have high blood cholesterol, then you probably do want to right. follow the healthy heart guidelines. You don't want to push that. Which is yeah. right. No more than two eggs per week. And yeah. then I think the DASH diet is no more than four whole eggs. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, yeah. Make sure that you follow the guidelines if you are at risk, if you have these, you know, if you have high blood cholesterol. I also will say, um, added version, that everybody has their individualized response. And so, yeah, so I thought that was great. Another thing that was said in this article that consumers might take two other important issues into account and that is what other foods dominate your diet right right so saturated fat found in red meats and full fat dairy foods have a far more potent effect on your blood levels of cholesterol and 
cardiovascular risk than does dietary cholesterol per se. Thus, if you follow a Mediterranean-style eating pattern where you have plenty of fruits and vegetables, fish and some poultry, but you eat the meat and the processed mm-hmm. stuff and cheese and, and full-fat dairy foods, only rarely, that's the key, you eat it only rarely, Mm-hmm. That will minimize some of the concerns mm-hmm. about the cholesterol in eggs. But we love cholesterol in the eggs. We love the eggs. I was so sad this morning. I went up to, I uh, was trying to think of something that I could eat fast food because I was, you mm-hmm. know. Try- and so I went up to McDonald's because I usually get, not usually, but I usually get egg white. So I- I'll get an egg white and I'll just eat the egg white. They don't carry egg whites anymore. Oh, they don't. I'm maybe like, maybe so because people didn't They're didn't increasing get them? their big, gigantic, big, Max, but, but they're, they're not. They're not <laughs> so you got more of a version of a triple duple, <laughs> quadruple Mac. Oh, that's and funny. I couldn't find my egg white this morning. Isn't that something? There's a disconnect. That is a disconnect. But probably a lot of people weren't buying it. They probably weren't. So they probably took it off. You know, because it's all about what, it's what all about, money, right? Mm. And they got. I looked up on the menu, and there were all these seven, eight, nine hundred thousand oh, yeah. calorie yeah. things and. I didn't see them taking off the money. <laughs> no, because that's what bring them good I money. See them, I didn't see them taking them off the menu. No. But yeah, as, 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 as exercise physiologists, like I always tell people when I'm out and about, we love eggs because it is it's a, a good source of protein. Yes. It, and it's, it's a, a com- filler. And it's a complete yeah. protein. It fills you up. That's the key. Yeah, it's it a fills com- you up. And it has the B vitamins, mm-hmm. the vitamin A and mm-hmm. D. It's also unsaturated. You know, it has five grams of mostly unsaturated fat, mm-hmm. almost no carbs in there. Yep, exactly. You see what I mean? Yep. And only 71 milligrams of sodium. Yeah. And then the egg yolks has the most concentrated dietary source of mm-hmm. choline. Mm-hmm. And choline is an essential nutrient. It's, it's very critical for, for brain nerves, development nerves and your nerves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, all that to say, I love this article because it's trying to tell people that. Don't throw your eggs away. No. And one thing they talked about here is inexpensive. It's easy to yeah. prepare, yeah. easy to digest mm-hmm. food. And for most elderly people, even adults on the run, you can travel with. You know, if you yeah. travel, you can always throw in a boiled egg and exactly. eat. Exactly. I do that all the time. And it fills you. And like they you said. They last and it fills you up. You just would be amazed how much a boiled egg fills you up. Yes. Two boiled eggs. You're not even hungry for lunch. Right. We always have to think about these research. When we, when we think about these research and we look at them, we have to really think about them and look at their limitations, mm-hmm. but also bear in mind how the research affects you um, individually. So knowing your numbers, right? Know your numbers. Good article. So let's go to the genetic mutation makes people feel full. Yeah, so this is interesting. I got to get this genetic mutation. <laughs> what am I doing with that? So this genetic mutation makes people feel full all the time. It's a New York Times article. Two new studies confirm that weight control is often the result of genetics, not willpower. My daughter, Mary Banks, who's really big into genetics, said everything is mm-hmm. going to be found on that genome. Isn't that something? Everything. Mm-hmm. So the study subjects had been thin all their lives. And not because they had unusual metabolisms, they just didn't care much about food. They never ate enormous amounts, never obsessed over the meal, on a meal. Mm-hmm. Now a group of researchers in Britain may have found the reason. I mean, you, do you know people that they eat to live, not live to eat? 
That's how I describe them. Mm -hmm. So the people carry a genetic alteration that mutes appetite. It often greatly reduces their chances of getting diabetes or heart disease. The scientist study published on, I guess, last Thursday in the mm -hmm. journal cell, in the journal Cell, relied on data from the UK Biobank, which includes a half million people aged 40 to 69. Participants have provided DNA samples and medical records and, allowed, and have allowed researchers to track their health over years. A second study in the journal also used data from this population to develop a genetic risk score for obesity. It can help predict as early as childhood who's at risk for lifetime obesity and who is not. Together, the studies confirm a truth that researchers wish more people would understand. There are biological reasons that some struggle mightily with their weight and others do not. Mm -hmm. And the biological impacts are often seen on appetite, not metabolism. Mm -hmm. People who gain too much weight or fight to stay thin, they are hungry. <laughs> <laughs> they, be, they be hungry. They be hungry <laughs> than naturally thin people. Mm -hmm. The study of the appetite-dulling mutation was led by Dr. Sadiq Faruqi, who is a professor of metabolism and medicine at the University of Cambridge, and Nick Wareham, an epidemiologist at the university. The study drew on Dr. Faruqi's research into a gene, MC4R, she has probed it for 20 years, but for the opposite reason, to understand why some people are overweight and why some are thin. Mm -hmm. People with the MC4R mutations tend to be obese. Researchers have recorded as many as 300 mutations in this gene. They are the most common single gene cause of obesity. Mm. Mutations in the gene account for 6% of children with severe obesity. The mutations destroy satiety, mm -hmm. that feeling of fullness after yes. you eat, she said. Normally, when people eat a meal, the gene is switched on and sends a signal telling people they're full. Then the gene turns itself off. But some people carry a mutation in the MC4R that prevents the gene from working. As a result, their bodies never get the signal that they've eaten enough. They always feel hungry and are often overweight. Their risk of diabetes and heart disease is 50% higher than those. You would expect that with the mutation, yes, without the time. mutation. Big time. So in the new study, Dr. Faruqi and her colleagues found that in some thin people... The MC4R gene is always turned on instead of always off because of different mutations involving a previously unknown metabolic pathway. These people continually feel satiated. Mm -hmm. About 6% of the population carry such protective mutations. This proves that MC4R is an important, if not most important, controller of weight, Dr. Faruqi said. And the new pathway provides an obvious target for drugs to protect against obesity. Researchers increasingly are finding that appetite and satiety determines who gains excess weight and who does not, noted Cecilia Lindgren, professor of genomic endocrinology. Boy, that's a big, that's a big, that's a big mm -hmm. field. Genomic endocrinology and metabolism at the University of of Oxford. That's, That's really key. interesting. That's the key. That's the key. And we always say, even though lifestyle is the major right. precursor of overweight and obesity, genetics still play a part. Still some genetic. That's it. So the key is, I like, if, and that's why the whole genome thing and knowing stuff is important, the DNA, because if you find these things out early, 
Exactly. Then you can develop ways exactly. and habits and stuff to override that. Exactly. There's I just and, and since you mentioned that I just want to touch on one mm-hmm. one article that bears on this, just mm-hmm. not to talk about the whole article. This article was about obesity is found to gain oh, whole yeah, in its earliest that. years. And they talk about in this article the yes. set point at eight. Mm-hmm. Eight. Yeah, I saw that. And that's for children. So and it's already children. set. So they talk about, you know, I've asked you oftentimes if you mm. believe in the set point theory. Mm-hmm. That in this article, again, another, I think, New York Times article that talks about by age three and a half, the kids were, they were talking about um, mm-hmm. obesity, gaining whole and so forth. That by eight, the yes. set point had been established in some of these kids. Yep. They were stuck with the fact that obesity does not really seem firmly set until the children okay, there are you go. eight years old. All right. Those eight years might be magical mm-hmm. and give you an opportunity to make a difference. Exactly. When like I read that, saying, yes. Right, I was that like, speaks to your very point, that yes. if you notice early, you can do whatever you can to overcome right. that. And then you can put those, since we know that lifestyle is a huge percent, but we still got to deal with genetics and right. all that. For those folks that have that type of gene, then quite frankly, we should make sure that early on we've establishing all these eating patterns and taste buds for the good stuff so that by the time eight comes, those habits of eating that way, that lifestyle, their environment will override that tendency and that's why you know when you look at some of the studies it was saying that some people even though they have the gene you know that will make them continuously feel hungry whatever they still are kind of successful in making sure that they don't um, become they can overcome they can do things to make it not so that you know that don't keep snack foods in your house don't have things around that will tempt you to if that satiety thing is gone Mm -hmm. to make you want to snack you Mm -hmm. know you can you can you can devise your lifestyle to overcome that is that i guess that's what i'm trying to say yeah that's the key yeah exercise more yes you You can exercise you can develop these healthy lifestyle habits Mm -hmm. and the habits because we'll we are habitual people Mm -hmm. the habits will override exactly the genetic tendency, mm-hmm. but it's good to know. Mm-hmm. And that's why we always say with, when it comes to your family history, mm-hmm. that's why it's important, even though you have that history of your mom having heart disease and everything and so forth, doesn't necessarily mean that you will have it. Exactly. That's why it's important for you to to, to know that and start doing right. those lifestyle stuff exactly. early. Exactly. To combat that. But exactly. yeah, I thought yeah. that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Set point of at eight years old. Eight years old. Mm, that's second grade. And that's something. And that makes sense. That's second grade. Yeah. They say those that are high risk for obesity can be more easily seduced, honey. Isn't that something? That's what happened. I said that's a good word for it. It is. It is. Easily seduced. It is. Because you look cheap. at all the things around that seduce people, the mm-hmm. advertisements, the big billboards. And then they make it cheap. And they make it cheap. Tasty. And taste good. Go. Uh. <laughs> Stop it. Uh. We could talk about this know, all day. I know. That's why I thought all these articles tied in with the same kind of topic sort of thing. Isn't yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We ran out of time, but we will pick one that we want to end up with. I think we will do why exercise guard against um, cancer. 
inflammation may play a role. This is in the New York Times. I love this because it's back to exercise is medicine. It is. It says one of the most important benefits of exercise is how it reduces our risk of developing a a number of types of cancer, and especially colorectal cancer, Mm -hmm. which according to some estimates is the malignancy Mm -hmm. most influenced by, that's the key, physical activity. I was like, well, maybe because you inactive and you sitting on your buttocks. (laughs) (laughs) Buttocks. But physical activity speeds the movement of waste through the intestines as anyone who has had to hunt for a bathroom doing a workout knows. But this does not seem to fully account for the protective effects of exercise. Instead, a small study published in the February the Journal of Physiology suggests we should also look to changes in our bloodstream after mm-hmm. exercise. The new study began with scientists at the University of Queensland in what, Brisbane? Brisbane, Australia. Australia. Yes. Did you ever go to there? I didn't go to Brisbane. Okay, no. Brisbane. Okay. Mm-hmm. And other institutions recruiting 20 men who have survived, who had survived colon cancer. Women were excluded because of the menstruation might have affected the results. Okay, so the scientists asked 10 of the men to start working out strenuously. They did it three times a week. They pedaled a stationary bike hard for four minutes, rested for three, and repeated that sequence three more times. So this is an example of HIT, high-intensity interval training. Mm-hmm. They trained for a month, and then a few days after completing the program, they rested quietly while researchers drew blood. The other 10 men completed the same four-time-four interval session, but they did it only once. The researchers drew their blood before, immediately following, and in additional two hours after that long bout of workout. The scientists then carefully added a tiny amount of fluid from the men's blood to petri dishes containing human colon cancer tumor mm-hmm. cells often used to study cancer mm-hmm. growth. At several points during the subsequent 72 hours, the researchers counted the numbers of cells in each dish. They soon saw substantial differences. In the dishes containing fluid taken from the men immediately after a single bout of workout, the scientists counted far fewer cancer cells than in those washed in fluid drawn two hours after exercise. Oh, wow. There was no similar decline in the dishes from men who had trained for a month. In effect, something about the blood that was drawn immediately after workout was slowing the growth of the cancer cells. Mm. Isn't that something? That's amazing. The researchers think they may have identified that something In subsequent analysis of the men's blood, they found a large increase of molecules involved in inflammation immediately after exercise. Inflammation can slow cell growth and reproduction. So a transitory increase in inflammatory markers after exercise might be helping to jam the proliferation of tumor cells. And this was said by Skinner a physiologist who was the senior author of the study. The implications, the implications of these results are (laughs) cheering and cautionary. That's it. So you got to take caution. And Mm -hmm. this is what it says. 
the changes in exerciser's blood were potent, but transient, Skinner mm. says. So activities would have to be repeated, that's it, mm-hmm. to provide any continuing protection. And that's the, that's the same when we see how that blood pressure, lowering blood pressure is a direct acute, we call that acute response to one bout of exercise, but to see your blood pressure lower and stay consistently lower, especially the systolic, right? it has to be continuous over time. And that's where people get messed up. You still got to exercise every day. You still, every day, exactly. To get the results. And that's what it's kind of saying here that, you know, you have to, it has to be repeated yeah. To have the continuing protection. Yep. yep. And so it still remains unclear how intense or prolonged that exercise would have to be. But yeah. Well, we do know it's got to be more than nothing. Hey. <laughs> than sitting on your buttocks. Exactly. We know it's got to be more. We don't know exactly what it is, but we know it's got to be somewhere between zero and an hour. <laughs> we can start out with that kind of premise. There you go. <laughs> we can start out with it's got to be somewhere between zero and 100. We might uh, in an hour. We don't know what it is, but it's got to be somewhere in between that. It's not zero. And like we said, there's no excuse. We can do two-minute bouts. Repeat the guideline again. Two-minute bouts there can add up during the day yeah. and to add up for your weekly recommended exactly. amount. And that is at least 150 minutes. And we tell people that's the least amount, that's 150 least. minutes. That's but you want to do even to 300 minutes right. of moderate intensity. Right. So that means you are doing some type of exercise every day. Correct. That's it. That's it. No excuses. None. None. <laughs> None. Well, we had a lot of stuff to talk we about, did. but we just we still ended on a good note we did. with a lot of things. We did. So this is our show, D. So what are you going to so say? So I guess I want to get back to the egg story, Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, but I think we can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Yes, we can. don't throw your eggs away. That's it. Moderation, as we continue to say on this show. Moderation. Yeah. And, you know, if you are recommended to follow a um, heart-healthy diet, you know, look at, you know, you still can do based on which diet you're following and what will be your risk factor. You Mm -hmm. still can do two whole eggs. Exactly. Per week with the yolk. But don't forget about getting rid of and and, uh, limiting, and that's what people don't think about, those baked goods and all that. We're, kind and of we're stuff. not talking with bacon and sausage and toast and butter <laughs> and, and two pancakes and waffles. <laughs> we're not talking about that one. That's it. No. That's it. Right. So you still got to think about yeah. what you eat. And, right. and yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.